This is Grave Matters, and it is Christy. This is Chuck. Thanks so much for joining us on our second episode of Grave Matters, where Chuck will probably hate every episode that we ever do. <laughs> oh, okay. You like true crime. Oh, I do, and yeah. And paranormal. Yes. And all of that. It's just the empath in you. Right. Has a really difficult time. Usually, yes. And this week's case, you know nothing about. Absolutely nothing. So I'm going to give you a little bit of tidbits, tidbits, or a lot of tidbits about it, and you'll hate it because it has to do with a child. Yeah, I probably won't like it. So for those of you that are listening, obviously, I will keep it as appropriate as possible because I, too, am an empath, and I... In my in my real life, I put that in quotations because I don't know. Do I even have a real life? I'm not so sure. I don't know, but I do work with the police on different investigations, right? As a medium, and I have my own story, and this story is kind of connected to my story, but not connected. And I was contacted several years ago by law enforcement about this case mm-hmm. to see if it was connected to my story. Oh, okay. We'll get into that in a little bit. So 1989, do you remember what you were doing in 1989? Oh, yeah, I do remember, but it was a long, long, long time ago. <laughs> it, was, it wasn't a lot of good. It wasn't a lot of good. My first child was born in 1989 in February, on the 3rd. But, so that was a good thing, but that's about as far as it really goes. I had just graduated from high school (laughs) and I was just, I thought I was all grown up at that time. So I was 19, you were 28 then, something like that, right? Yeah, 27. So Bay Village is a city in western Cuyahoga County in Ohio. Cuyahoga. Okay, I mispronounced that already. Near, Near Cleveland. Yep, located along the southern shore of Lake Erie, the city is in a western suburb of Cleveland, okay. where Chuck and I spent our honeymoon, because <laughs> Cleveland rocks. Cleveland rocks. Oh, boy. So, it's a part of the Cleveland metropolitan area, which would be like, in Michigan, it would be like a Northville or a Plymouth. Yeah. It, it was a little bit of a, a safe, small town, okay. is what it was. And... It was one, at one time, noted as one of the safest until 1989 happened and a monster stole that sense of security. So Amy was a vibrant 10-year-old. She was a bundle of energy. She loved her banana seat bicycle. Remember those? Oh, yeah. And she would wave to everybody. She was just a very friendly girl. She always had a smile. She made friends easily. She would even talk to adults as if they were her peers. She did not have any problem with having conversation with anybody. She was often considered a ragamuffin. Her hair was all over the place. Like she didn't, it wasn't that she didn't care, but she was just like living life. She was 10 years old. She would prefer sweats to jeans. I do too. I do too. And when she talked or smiled, she tilted her head so she could look out from her unbrushed hair. Because again, she's too busy riding her bicycle and having fun. So it was October 27th in 1989 when 10-year-old Amy... Oh, I am so going to chew up her last name, you guys, and I am so sorry. 
You want to try it? Mihaljevic. Mihaljevic. Something Mihaljevic. like that. Woke up for school. She dressed in her pale green sweatsuit with lavender trim. She laced up her black riding boots, put on her favorite turquoise earrings that were horse heads, and grabbed her book bag. She loved everything horses. She took horseback riding lessons. She rode her bike to school like she did most every school day. Okay. She got to school. No big deal. They were so excited. Halloween was right around the corner. Right, 27th. You know, you're 10 years old. This was an exciting time. And what's so interesting about this is this day, they actually had like one of those stranger danger classes. Mm. So don't talk to strangers. Don't get in a car if there's a puppy. Did you have those? in school they yeah it wasn't as prevalent as it is these days well i shouldn't say unfortunately i'm glad that it wasn't but unfortunately it's more prevalent now obviously this stuff happens all too often i remember one time we were at a mcdonald's chuck actually loves kids he sounds sort of ornery sometimes but he loves children you probably (laughs) like animals and children more than adults uh yeah that's that's the way it goes we were at mcdonald's do you i don't know if you would remember this and there was a mom and her kid in front of us. Uh-huh. And the kid looked back and you like waved and, you know, made a funny face like you normally do. And the mother saw you and looked at him and said, don't talk, it's stranger danger. <laughs> but, you know, I guess good for the mother. Whatever. Because you're going to kidnap her Yeah, because I'm going to snatch the kid right out of McDonald's. Front. Yeah, right from her arms. Yes, so I don't. Right. There, there's a there's a balance. Wait right? a minute. Maybe I've got a Tootsie Roll or a Tootsie Pop in my pocket, kid. Here you go. I don't know. Our son was almost kidnapped from a McDonald's. That's true. Although he was a teenager. Yeah. And that was scary. Yeah. So Amy's class had the Stranger Danger class that was held by the local police. After school, instead of hopping on her bike to go home, she asked a couple friends if she could walk with them. Now, this was like an Indian summer that was going on. And if you don't know what Indian summer is... It's still pretty warm when it shouldn't be. It's warm. It just, it feels like summer. Right. Still. Although it's the the onset of fall. Yeah. So a lot of the students, this was a Friday, and a lot of the students were going to go to Baskin Robbins because it was warm. It was Friday. Halloween was right around the corner. And so instead of getting on her bike and going home, she asked her friends if she could walk with them to Bay Square Shopping Plaza, where they were all going to go to Baskin Robbins. Amy had told her parents that she was staying after school for choir tryouts, however. Oh, she lied. That was not the truth. Mm. She was really going to meet somebody. Uh Uh-oh. According to schoolmate Kristen Ballas, Amy had told Ballas that a man had called her at home after school earlier in the week. He said that he had worked with Amy's mother and that she had just gotten a promotion, which was true. He suggested that they go get her a present. And he told her not to spoil the surprise and not to tell anybody. Oh, I do know the story. So according to Bayless, Amy was instructed to meet him in the parking lot next to Baskin Robbins on Friday. Amy knew her mother had started a part-time job recently with Trade and Times. It was the Barter Magazine in Rocky River, but she didn't know everyone who worked there. And lately, she and her mom had been fighting 
Amy had told Ballas that she had overheard that her parents were talking about divorce. So she thought that she could maybe get a present and she could stop the fighting and she could, you know, help heal the family. So it was 3.14 p.m. on Friday and Amy's brother Jason, who was 13 at the time, called his mom at work and said, Amy isn't home. She hasn't shown up. Both kids were usually home by three and both called mom at work to say hi. We're home every day. No, no special reason. It was just to put Amy's mom at, you know, we we did that, you know, text us. Right. When we didn't have cell phones, my mom would be like, just ring the phone twice. (laughs) And they wouldn't even pick it up. They'd just be like, I'm home. So the pattern was so consistent that Jason was alarmed, even though it was only like 14 minutes. Later, the mom, Margaret, she said she was only mildly concerned at the time because Amy said what? She had choir practice, right? Yeah, right. But she had a feeling, you know, that parent's intuition. Correct. So she asked Jason to have her call when Amy got in. At 3.30, Jason called his mom again. Amy's still not home. This time, you know, it's only been 15 minutes. He's alarmed. Margaret prepares to leave for the office. And then Amy called. Amy called. Choir meets on Wednesdays and Thursdays, Amy said. Wait a minute, this is Friday. Where are you? Amy grew quiet. Is this some sort of audition or something? Margaret sort of filled in the blanks for her. And she goes, yeah, 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 it's for new people. So Margaret assumed that Amy was calling from home, but she wasn't. They spoke for a moment longer before hanging up. Something still didn't feel right, and Amy was normally talkative, remember? Yeah. She had kept her answer short this time. So Margaret finished packing for the weekend, went home early. When she stepped through the house, she was greeted only by Jason. Mom, she's still not home. It's 4.30. Margaret drove to the school, and Amy's bike was still leaning in the rack. Then she bolted first thing to the police station. Mm -hmm. We have this whole thing of what you have to wait 48 hours or something yeah there's some kind of a silly thing which is ridiculous especially when it comes to children i mean if it was you or i or the guy next door that's one thing because you know you could be anywhere you could do whatever you know or you could have jumped off a bridge you know we don't know you're allowed to go missing as an adult i work on missing persons cases all the time you're allowed to be missing but if a kid's two hours one hour late i think at any rate they should just you know, say, hey, we can't wait for you. That's re- oh. The police took her seriously, okay. thankfully. Yeah. So even though Amy was only missing a couple hours, they treated it immediately as an abduction. Her description called into cruisers. They went to the surrounding communities. By this time, her dad, Mark, had came home from work, and Margaret was obviously hysterical. Right. She was sobbing. She was calling Amy's friends. She was trying to figure out who had last seen her. She was calling the PTA. They were mobilizing all of the the phone, you know, call, calling everybody. You know, have you seen her? Names of all the fifth graders were divided among the board members who called each child to see whether they had seen her or where she had gone, and no one had. So her mother reported her missing late that afternoon. Bay Village police were searching the area. Lynn Ford Drive Home and Bay Square Shopping Center, where she was last seen at 3 p.m., She's 4 feet 10, 90 pounds, with straight blonde hair and brown eyes. By 11 p.m., the missing 10-year-old's face was plastered all over the news. 
and 14 hours later, the FBI was alerted. Amy disappeared. There was a command post that was set up inside Bay Village Police Department. The special agent actually only lived a couple streets away, and he led the investigation. So among the first people he spoke to was Kristen Ballas, the one that had said that Amy had planned to meet a man that she right. had spoken to over the phone. Get a present, yeah. To Ren, it sounded like a clue that would just solve the mystery. They were sure they were going to figure this out. But the man's call had been placed from a local number, and only long-distance calls were logged by the phone company at the time. Remember when we used yeah. to get phone bills? Yeah, you get the bill in. And, and you it would just say the... local. Yeah. You know, unless it was a long distance. Another classmate said that they had seen Amy leaning against a post in the parking lot of Baskin Robbins talking to a white man with large round glasses and dark hair with a bald spot near the back of the head. A composite sketch was created from that moment on. The black and white rendering accompanied Amy's photo everywhere. She was then seen walking through the parking lot with him, but no vehicle was spotted by witnesses. They kept saying, it's a white man, 30 to 40 years old, 5'7 to 5'10, medium build, dark hair, possibly wearing glasses. It was the same concurrent description of the person. So that first weekend, dozens of volunteers put her picture everywhere and searched everywhere. They prepared food for the investigators. They got search dogs. They canvassed the area. Planes with heat sensing equipment. Nothing. Nothing. It just went cold. Halloween came and went. And they were so afraid of having their kids go door to door. Right, because obviously there was some kind of an adoption. Well, yes. You just don't know. Right. So I guess they made bags of candy and passed them through half-open doors or they just took them to the neighbors to try to give some sort of normalcy to these kids. Yeah. December 11th marked Amy's 11th birthday. And... Margaret, through a small party, had friends come, brought gifts, in hopes that she would show up. Her father had given up hope. Margaret hadn't. That created a huge divide as well. Yeah, I usually would do something like that. As the investigation continued, come to find out that Amy wasn't the only one that had had a stranger that had called. The phone call placed Amy had happened to multiple people in the area. They had received similar calls in the weeks prior. Each phone call was pretty much the same. The caller explained he was a friend of the child, excuse me, the child's parent, and that he needed help picking up a gift. None of the children who were targeted previous to Amy agreed to meet with the caller, but authorities believed that with each attempt, the kidnapper's pitch became more streamlined. He became more comfortable. He got more information. So besides the ages and proximity to one another, every child whom the mystery caller contacted in 1989 had paid a visit to the Lake Erie Nature and Science Center where they had signed into a logbook. This logbook, unavailable, but authorities believe they signed with personal information such as phone number and home addresses. Which would make sense. Which, ironically, like we did... Mm-hmm. We went to Key West, we went to a church, and we put all of our information down. Because yeah. you don't think that somebody is going to use that against you, especially a child. Oh, well, yeah, kids. And a, a science center. Mm-hmm. On February 8th, 1990, Amy's body was discovered by a jogger in a field adjacent to Township Road, 1181 in rural Ashland County near New London, Ohio. Mm-hmm. 
So that's about 90 miles, I believe. The body was dressed in the clothing that she was last seen wearing. Three items, though. The turquoise horse earrings, the riding boots, and her black leather binder were not there. They were taken. They were removed. A curtain and a blanket were discovered 300 yards away. And she was stabbed to death. So when Amy's body was discovered, and this this was um, in 1990, I thought it was three, yeah, I guess that, that would be 1990, right? We're in 1990 now. So that was three months, so we're now in 1990. I can do math, friends. I can do math. She was wrapped in an avocado green curtain that contained strands of her hair, as well as the hair of the family's dog. At the time, investigators could do little with forensic. They didn't have forensics. They didn't have the DNA. No. So who did it? They believe the murderer had continued with criminal activity and had made mistakes with Amy and had hurriedly disposed of her body. Men with mostly shady pasts and weak alibi, vague connections to the area, history of sexual offenses, they all made the suspect list. Like, there was a ton of them. Everyone was turning in everybody. Right, right. In 2006, it was revealed that before Amy was slain, many young girls had received the same phone call, like we had said, from Uh the unidentified man. And they had actually taken, like, the voice of some of these and had asked them to listen to it. Which, there's no evidence, you know. Right. You, You just, you can't use that as evidence. They believed he was bold. He lured her in a very busy place. He had the audacity to take her in broad daylight in full view of children and adults right across the street from the police station. He was cunning enough to pull it off. And there is no reason. No. Absolutely zero reason. So some of the suspects. Dean Runkle, he was a past teacher. Currently he's 80 years old and he works at a restaurant in Key West, Florida. Uh Richard Holbert, he confessed that he did it, but he wasn't found to be credible. They found that he had emotional issues. Joseph Newton Chandler III, or Robert Ivan Nichols, he took his life in 2002. He had a hairy past. He was at the top of the suspect list, still is, because this is an unsolved crime. Nobody really knew who he was, possibly a fugitive. He took several different names. He took the name of a 10-year-old child and, like, he took on that identity. So they don't even know who he is. And then they believe maybe there was multiple assailants. Maybe it was a group. That's possible. Amy's mom passed in 2001. And since then, thousands of tips have come in throughout the years, but no one has ever been arrested. It's still unsolved. The investigation now relies heavily on DNA. There's a $50,000 reward still. Anyone with information about Amy's death is asked to contact investigators at one eight seven seven FBI Ohio or the Bay Village Police Department at four four zero eight seven one one two three four. And I'll have this listed in the show notes. I was contacted about ten years ago on this case because I had an attempted kidnapping when I was that same age. Mm-hmm at a mall in Michigan. 
And so they wondered if there had been a connection because I wasn't the only one that had had an attempted kidnapping. There had been many others. I, however, did not receive a phone call. I was with my parents. Right. I was sitting on a bench. Predator was just hanging out looking for something. He attempted to take me and I got away. And the interesting thing is the picture of this guy that they have is very similar to the person that attempted to take me. I can't say that it was him. I don't remember him wearing glasses, the person that tried to take me. Now, this was 10 years earlier, though. True. Yeah, 11 years earlier. Could have been wearing glasses. Could have. Or not wearing glasses at the time. Could be throwing people off, kind of as a quote-unquote disguise, maybe. I don't know. In the person that they thought might have taken me or had attempted, we had a case called the Oakland County Killer at that same time. Right. But none of the sketches from that has ever matched who attempted to take me. Right. I'm the person that runs to the television to see if there's anything new and what the description is that they have or a sketch. And And usually something pops up a few times a year. It does, because that's also unsolved. And that was several kids that had been killed and slain. Similarly to this. Interestingly enough, there was a lot of serial killers back then. Yeah, there were. They couldn't be traced. Not like we're traced now. Well, you know, now you've got cameras everywhere. You've got them on your front doors with their doorbells. You've got them in the streets, on traffic lights, you know, and GPS on your car, GPS on your I mean, everything, right, pinging off of cell towers. Uh, I would think that things are a little bit more difficult now to get away with. But unfortunately, things still happen. I don't that know. It's more, that it's easier to get away now? Oh, no, no, no. I, I, I would think it's harder. People are stupid and they don't realize. Yeah. I, I don't think we know everything that can happen. Or, you know, they say Big Brother's watching you. Well, sometimes it's not such a bad thing. Right now, when it comes to cases like this. No. I do think that this case will end up getting solved with the new DNA practices that they have yeah and they do have this this curtain this green curtain yeah you would think that there'd be some kind of a a hair or some kind of a dna thing from the especially if they think that he's done this several times yeah so if he's been in the system that they would have dna of him in the system they normally don't do a one and done true yeah usually it's a yeah they get this well, what the they thrill. say, they get a thrill from it, yeah, and they become addicted to the adrenaline, I guess. I don't know. They they want more and more and more. But that's and they what get they say. Cocky. And they get, right, they get cocky. Okay, I got away with it once. You know, I'm going to tempt you to try to find me. I'm going to do it again and again. And, yeah, that does happen all too often, I believe. Amy's parents ended up divorcing. And she's gone. She's the passed mother. away. Yeah. Um. The father still is trying to, you know, find some peace. And I'm sure that the brother is yeah. too, because the brother obviously had an intuitive nudge that something yeah, was something wrong. Yeah, something was up. Something was wrong. And he called his mother after 15 minutes of her being late. I actually did see this case on some television show. 
I don't remember, you know, the end of it, but I do remember the whole story in the beginning with the Baskin Robbins in the mall and them talking to the police. I don't know if it was Dateline, if it was, you know, 48 right. Hours, if it was 2020. It was one of those one shows. One of those had done something. In the last year or two. I have, you know, talked to several people that are connected to the case previously because of the connection to the case. And, right. you know, there's so many web sleuths, you know, crime sleuths well, sure, out there. Right. And so many have, you know, opinions on like this teacher, um, you yeah. know, or there's another teacher that had been looked at. There is, um, there, there's a whole, and you know, and I don't want to, put right, any names right, out of out anybody there. else that I had been given because always innocent until proven guilty, right? True. And I think the teacher, I personally, I, didn't, I, I don't know that much, obviously, about it, but I would think, well, no, only because they probably got the name and the number and everything from that log from right. the science center. The teacher would have that already. If she, it was a teacher at that school. There had actually been accusations of a policeman because you know you see someone dressed up and you hate to think that right you hate to think that but i would think though if there was someone dressed up as a policeman or if it was a policeman and, and they were dressed up in uniform with the child you well, know so the they store, would have seen that that yeah you would yeah. obviously think okay there's a kid shoplifting uh is there something wrong right i mean you know it wouldn't be that would have been more apparent right so so but it, who knows? It could have been a policeman off. Dude, I mean, anything's... But I doubt it. And, and I hate to think that. They do think that it's someone that lived in that community or right outside of that community, though. Right. So they don't think that it was someone from, say, Detroit, Michigan, well, you know, that went there. You know, and if if that is exactly how they got the information by the, the log at the Science Center, wouldn't you think it's either somebody that's got to be hanging out there quite a bit, maybe, or someone that will make work there? And that's just it. You wonder, I didn't go through all of the police, you know, notes, the documents. Our, our, I'm, we're not doing such an in-depth no. thing other than just putting this information out. Because maybe you have seen something or heard something. Maybe somebody confessed something to you. Yeah. We hear this with hospice nurses do that, and right. priests. And, and, and the guilt is over. Yeah you know, whelming and they... There's so many people who have gotten confessions from their parents on their deathbeds. Yeah. So maybe you had a confession from a loved one and you can help put this or any other case to bed because they do believe that they will be found and they may be passed away themselves. Yeah. So justice won't happen necessarily in this lifetime. Yeah, seeing that was 25 years ago. It was a while ago. But, you know, if the person was, say, 30 or 40, they could still be obviously alive. They could. The perpetrator, I mean. They could. I went through this on another case with a police officer that happened way before I was born. And he's like, I'm sure that the perpetrator has passed. And I'm like, not necessarily. They could be in their 80s. And he's like, you're right. You know, going back with the whole thing with the log and the names and the numbers and stuff, normally I would think that you wouldn't just take a name out of something without knowing what the child actually looks like. Right. You know, I, I would think. I mean, obviously I could be wrong with that, but you would think that the person that actually saw these kids or, or I don't know, I may, maybe not, but 
somehow I think that's how it usually goes. They become like attracted or attached to or you know I, I don't know it's just a weird do you know who I wondered if it might have been and again I am just throwing mm-hmm. things out is the picture that they put out with Amy right was a picture she hated and they were actually going to do redos that day mm. was it the photographer there you go well that would be someone that you know would say oh this kid is... I, I, or connected know, to Somehow, the photography studio? You know, I've heard of that before. You know, they see that and they become enamored of... I, I don't know. It's just... People are weird. People are crazy. Not everybody, but I mean... Yeah. Obviously, there's something demented and wrong with this person. Or anybody that does something like that. So, if you have any information, please contact the FBI. Contact Ohio. Thanks for sticking with me through this case. Yeah, (laughs) not a good one. This is Grave Matters. My name's Christy. And I'm Chuck. Join us next time.